Here we go again, back for another week of the On Blast Podcast NFL Picks Edition. My name is Sheldon Alexander. I'm joined by my guy, Mr. Matt Russell. How you doing, my dude? How you feeling? Week nine. Does that sound weird to you? <laughs> it always feels a little bit weird, let's be honest. Uh, speaking of weird, I was driving around today and I just started thinking again about the Panthers-Falcons game on Sunday. <laughs> like, it doesn't usually take me like three days to just kind of like honestly unwind from that and part of that was you know i got sort of deeper into the panthers later on in the week we talked about it last week how i grabbed a little plus six before the line moved to four and then i got in you know we got it uh, into the, some money line action it's, it's and having just sort of lived through that game and imagine if that game was a sunday night game or a monday night game or a thursday night game right nice. just like the absolute chaos of that game it's so funny how games get buried in the one o'clock game, it's like, oh yeah, and by the way, like PJ Walker threw a ball seventy yards, which I didn't think, we, yeah, like which we didn't really know that he could do, and like hit DJ Moore, and then obviously the helmet thing, or whatever. And I was thinking about like that helmet play or the call, and how like I should feel so much better about that game because that obviously allowed them to cover the spread after all kinds of craziness, even in the overtime. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm still annoyed that from a money line standpoint, like that didn't cash, like, which is so selfish and so ridiculous that I would be like picking nits with regards to the money line, considering they scored on a 65 yard pass with 12 seconds left. Like what kind of psycho am I where like, I'm still kind of like just driving around the city, like thinking about how weird it like compartmentalizing, like, you know, you really should feel pretty good about the Carolina Panthers, you know, covering that game. Yeah. Even if they didn't win the game, because I mean, who's who's using Eddie Panero to kick field goals any, at this point in our lives anyway. But uh, yeah. Anyway, long story short, feeling uh, feeling good. But yeah, definitely feeling weird. The, that's why the people come to this podcast for the vibes from the Panthers Falcons. Right. Because that, that game was electric. That was an insane game just from like the ending of that game. We would never seen anything like that before. Like yeah. that was in absolute insanity. And I remember someone in the room saying they're going to miss a field goal because someone in the room always says that. Right. And it's like, ah, shut up. Nah, they can't miss a field goal. And then when you realize, oh, they went back pretty far. Oh, for the extra point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah extra well, we had, like the field goal in overtime. It's and so the funny insane. thing is, like, in overtime, it's like, yeah, you guys are chums for sure. <laughs> like he, he has a kick that's shorter than the, than what the extra point would have been. Yeah, in the overtime. So it was almost like DJ Moore gets less blame because Pinero ends up missing a super short kick anyway. So you kind of feel like, well, even if he kept his helmet on, like Pinero, you know, might have still missed the kick. Like he had ample ample opportunity to make the kick the second time and still didn't do it. So in a way, like DJ Moore kind of got off the hook in a really weird way. I'm more mad at Eddie Pinero than I am. And it's at DJ Moore at this point. Well, one of the main mantras of this pod, wherever we've been doing it over the last few years, is that kickers suck and kickers should be banned from all levels of football. But (laughs) either way, kickers miss kicks. We make picks. Oh, I like that. Ooh, bars. Um, But this is the On Blast podcast. This is week nine of our NFL picks. And for people who might be new to the proceedings here and what we do each and every week, I come on, I try to give where I'm leaning, what my pick is. And then Matt comes in with the information and education about where the line was, where it is, and where it could be going before kickoff. And, you know, I'll say this is what I'm thinking, and I will get talked out of picks. And that happens a lot 
talked into picks. That also happens a lot. We hope to come out on the other end with the winning record. And so far, through eight weeks, so good. So far, so good. I can't even say it. As I was even typing it out, I tweeted this. I was typing it out. I'm like, this doesn't really make sense. 12 and three last week. 73, 46 and four on the season. I had to stop and count that again because I was like, that doesn't really make sense. But here we are. We're just trying to keep the good times rolling. And the goal is just to win more than we lose, but have fun because we try to talk out the picks, right? This is where I'm leaning. How confident am I feeling about it? So stick around, enjoy for the people that were watching this, not live. You know, what ends up happening is you can scroll ahead to the game of your choice. You know, you're not really sure for which side to lean or what's going on here. You can go ahead, scroll through, see the times. Also, you know, bless us with a like. Bless us with the subscribe button, you know, all that fun stuff. And you can still listen on a Monday. You can still listen on a Monday. You can scroll ahead and find out that we like the Browns plus three, plus three and a half. That's what I'm saying. Right? That's what I'm saying. Hey, I tried to push people towards it. Like we were still cooking into Sunday night and Monday night as well. Hey, winners all around. Keep the good times rolling. And we start off with another interesting theme as we start on Thursday night. When I say interesting theme, this is what I mean. Our double-digit spreads are always something very interesting. And right away, we got the Houston, Houston, Texans. I was going to say, you're already shook. Yes, I'm already shook, and it's early. We got the Houston Texans as 14-point underdogs at home. Mm -hmm. At home. Yeah. At home. I'm saying it again. (laughs) It's a thing. And for people who are new to the pod, okay, what I always try to do with these double-digit spreads is I'll come on and I'll say, I'm always leaning towards taking the points. And then I ask my friend Matt to talk me out of this just, you know, over this like overreaction to the rule, you know, just take the Mm -hmm. points, double-digit spread, take the points. So I'm always going to lean there and I ask my friend Matt to talk me out of it. So I'm going to start here and say, hey, you know, Eagles, easy win last week. Texans lost by a TD to the Titans. (laughs) I want to lean on the Texans because that's just my jam. I like leaning on the Texans a lot. That's what happens a lot here on this pod. The Eagles are rolling, my dude. I need you to talk me out of taking the points. Okay, I can't do that. And here's why. So a couple of different reasons. Number one, uh, you just mentioned the results from last week. Like, were those results really a surprise in a, in either case right like yeah okay they lost to the titans or, yeah titans like that's you know kind of exactly what they do a lot of the time especially <laughs> when derrick henry is just running over them through them around them you know into mm-hmm. their souls and same thing with the eagles like yeah, okay yeah you beat up on on the steelers so like nothing crazy happened like there weren't any injuries anything like that this line was nine last week Ooh. right so and i don't re- call like seeing it at nine and being like yep need to jump on the eagles like Mm -hmm. right this second before like this goes up five points (laughs) and part of that was because my numbers make this 10. okay so you know what i mean so like i'm in that spot where like okay my number is 10 the number the look ahead number is nine so the only move in theory is to just like lay nine points with a with a road favorite which like objectively isn't something that I'm looking to do. And so I'm certainly not looking to do it now that kind of nothing has happened, right? From a rating <laughs> standpoint, like, yeah. guess what? 
Houston still stinks, right? Yeah. Like from a rating standpoint, like they're still in that high 20s, worst team in the league type zone, right? And you can drop yeah. them down to the low 20s, but you're going to have to drop them down into the teens to get them into a low, you know, into a 14 point home underdog situation. And the Eagles, by the way, like they're slowly ticking up from their rating standpoint, but you look at some of the other teams that are, you know, certainly above them, right? The Bills, the Chiefs above them, and then even the teams in their neighborhood, right? Like the Bucks, the uh, Rams, you know, I'm kind of going through 49ers, right? Like what do all of these teams have in common? The Eagles don't have to play them. Right? <laughs> like, so we, we, we're just going to go this entire regular season without really, you know, they're just going to play the junior varsity every week. And a lot yeah. of cases they're going to blow them out here. And this like adjustment feels like the books just going like, listen, there's going to be no shortage of Eagles money. And they opened at 13, 13 and a half. And guess what happens? A bunch of Eagles money comes in. Yeah. So like, sure enough, right? Like got still got that Eagles money and they move it up to 14. I don't know where this is headed. Are we going to get to 14 and a half? You know, who knows here? So like, listen, it's not some huge bet. It's not something that like you have to do by any stretch of the imagination, but like certainly the value is with the Texans and like, are, yeah. Yeah, are we going to beat them up for not winning a game? You know, that was a two point spread. Obviously it's ugly in the, the way in which they did not win because they gave up 300 yards on the ground <laughs> and you don't have to send a written invitation to the Eagles to just run the football. They are happy to do so. And I imagine they do so a ton, yeah. but part of that thing is, if they are running the football a ton, like this is going to be a low scoring game. This is going to be a game that, you know, these possessions take a long time to sort of, you know, execute, right? Even yeah. if it's the Eagles kind of gashing at five, six yards a clip. Now listen, Miles Sanders and to a lesser extent, Jalen Hurts, like they could pop off a big run or that could certainly open up a long pass for, you know, 75 yard AJ Brown touchdown, right? Like certainly AJ Brown was getting in work against some crappy, like fourth string Steelers corner, Right. Mm -hmm. And they had to make an adjustment. You know, finally Mike Tomlin made, you know, got around to making an adjustment at halftime <laughs> to maybe not have that guy get roasted by AJ Brown on every possession. And so you go, okay, like as weird as it is to say, like Texans Texans secondary and their pass defense is like okay. And if they have, you know, they don't have this like massive hole with some like again fourth string cornerback there, then yeah. like it's not gonna be as easy in sort of a quick strike type offense for the Eagles. So basically what I'm saying here is like, this could be a 20 point game in the second half. Mm -hmm. And we see the Eagles take their foot off the gas all the time. And like the Steelers could have, and again, you get into a sort of rookie quarterback territory where things got a little weird there for Kenny Pickett, but like they could have in theory, you know, maybe not covered the number, but got it to within say two touchdowns last week, which again yeah. is all we're asking from the Texans. So like last week we were asking the Texans to win a game outright, which again is not a position that we should be <laughs> asking the Texans to do against you no, know, no matter what the quarterback is. Yeah. But now we're just ask, asking the Texans to really just not get embarrassed or like honestly play for 60 minutes because if they play for 60 minutes, like this game can be, you know, 27, 17, it can honestly, it can be a lot like that Sunday night game, right? Where the Packers yeah. just played for 60 minutes. Now, Davis Mills, I don't know that you're trusting him to get that late touchdown in the same way that you would Aaron Rodgers. And honestly, fundamentally looking back at that game, like there was three big underdogs last week mm -hmm. and it was Kenny Pickett and, you know, and then Aaron Rodgers. And it's like, you know, which one, and obviously uh, Justin Fields, like which one of those three guys do you, can you trust to like, make a big throw 
to cover the game late, right? And it's not about like the Packers competing with the Bills. It's not about the Eagles, or excuse me, the Texans competing with the Eagles. It's about trusting a quarterback to get you that touchdown late. So listen, Davis Mills isn't exactly, you know, he's not Kenny Pickett, but he's also not Aaron Rodgers. So like, this isn't some massive bet or whatever, like don't go crazy on this, but like, listen, it's Thursday night. You're going to want to play a side one way or another. 14 is as weird as it sounds, a pretty key number. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, just take the Texans plus 14. Maybe it goes to 14 and a half if you can wait that out. I think it will. People yeah. who are going to jump on wanting to bet on this game are just going to bet on the Eagles. You can probably get it at 14 and a half. And even still, even better. Cool. Yeah. Right, for the Houston Texans. I'm with yeah, you maybe, there. Yeah, maybe cool. Well, <laughs> might, might be a horror show, but yeah. For sure. For sure. But it, this is a difference of what we're talking about here, right? It's about what sides would you rather be on, right? And that's kind of the difference here in, in what we're trying to do. Um, yeah. Let's keep things moving. Sure. We got the Chargers as three point favorites in Atlanta chargers coming off a bye, but I still don't even like them as three point road favorites in Atlanta. I don't know about that one. Atlanta won a wild one that as we've discussed earlier versus the Panthers. Um, I'm leaning Falcons here. I'd love an extra half point, but my overall question here, I'm, I'm on Atlanta. I like Atlanta at home. They can move the ball. They're spicy. They, they can do stuff. They're not just a trash team. Yeah. My question to you though, what kind of team is the chargers? Because I have no idea at this point. This Chargers team is like, the problem is this is the type of game the Chargers win mm-hmm. to make you think that they can compete with the senior <laughs> varsity, right? Yeah, like yeah, if yeah. The, if the, if Carolina and Atlanta was just a JV-JV type of game, mm-hmm. this is the type of game that the Chargers can win. It appears obviously after bye week last week and you know he made a cameo appearance two weeks ago, it seems like the Chargers are going to get Keenan Allen back. And if we saw anything from PJ Walker last week, it's like, just give me one like sensible wide receiver Mm -hmm. and you can do, you can do work on this Falcons defense, right? They don't get a ton of pressure. The secondary is banged up. Obviously AJ Terrell, if he's back, like that makes a big difference. They had what four different guys out. I think it was last, last week. And yet like, you know, you're going to make PJ Walker look good. You're going to make Joe Burrow look incredible the week before that. And like now Justin Herbert off a bye is going to kind of walk in here and like, yeah, the chargers have the issues that they have, but like, think about the issues that they have, right? Issue number one, obviously, Rayshon Slater being out for the season, you know, pass rushes can get to to to, Bur- uh, to Herbert, excuse me, mm-hmm. not the Falcons, right? Like that's replacement level defensive line play. So like you're, you're, that's going to be a problem against really good defensive ends and outside linebackers. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be that much of a problem against the Falcons. Defensively, getting pressure on the Falcons. Well, you don't really need to get pressure on the Falcons because they don't really throw the football, right? You just need to contain Marcus Mariota and play good run defense. Now, obviously, it's the Chargers we're talking about here. So good run defense, not in their repertoire. But if you're kind of combining, you know, bad run defense against a good rushing team, going up against good pass offense and a bad pass defense team, it's 2022, Right. Like I rather the passing advantage than the running advantage. If the other team doesn't have a passing advantage because, you know, it's PJ Walker or some of these other teams that the Falcons have beat, then it's not that much of an issue. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, whether it's Keenan Allen or some of these other sort of, you know, quasi replacement level chargers receivers, like that's not really any different than Carolina and Carolina should have won that game last week and they should have done so relatively comfortably, but like they kind of let it slip. 
right? That's kind of thing that Carolina might do from time to time, because again, mm-hmm. we're talking about the JV teams here. So if the Chargers play like just good, solid defense, keeping Mariota in the pocket, like they don't need to sack him because again, he's not going to be throwing the ball that much. And if they yeah. can get an early lead because their pass offense, which again, should have success, makes Mariota have to turn into a thrower more than a handoffer, right? And that's not where they want to be. That's not where they want to be, exactly. They end up being in this place that they were in two weeks ago against Cincinnati. And you go, well, they're at home, but like Chargers on the road is fine, right? Mm-hmm. Chargers play on the road all the time, right? They play in a dome where half the fans are against them anyway, or honestly more than half the fans are against them anyway. So like Chargers on the road is always kind of like a pretty good spot. Chargers against a team that can't defend the pass is always a pretty good spot. So like, this is one where you're going to kind of look up and you'll be like, oh man, by the way, the Falcons actually haven't covered in the last two weeks after getting all that kind of credit for covering, covering, covering without actually winning a ton of games, right? Like they're down 21, nothing to the bucks. You know, that's what sort of led us to the Bengals two weeks ago, being able to, you know, throw the ball a ton against them. So like, we're back here again. And, you know, again, you never know what happens after these bye weeks, right? With regards mm-hmm. to self-scouting for these NFL teams. I would like to think that the Chargers, after a year and a half of Joe Lombardi as offensive coordinator, like somebody will have said to him, like, bro, we have to just throw the football. Like running Austin Eckler directly into the line 15 times a game is an abject waste of our time. Yeah. Just throw the football. Like, look at what, you know, her uh, Burrow is doing. Look at what PJ Bleeping Walker is doing against this team. Like, just let him throw. So, so honestly, I think that's a possibility here. And I like the Chargers to win this game relatively comfortably. So I'm just going to add this breaking news as I was looking this up as we are recording this pod Whoa. Wednesday afternoon. Keenan Allen says that he suffered a setback during the bye week. Oh, of course he did. Of course he did. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. That is like literally as we're recording this pod on Wednesday, this is what has just come down the pipeline. Mm-hmm. Adding to a very frustrating season for Keenan Allen fantasy owners, but more yeah. importantly, of course, Brandon Staley, whose <laughs> offense is struggling without Keenan Allen as well. Um, tough times for sure for the Chargers, and they need a bounce back, and you're right. The Falcons, I think, are a prime team for said bounce back. It'll be very interesting to see how that game plays out for sure. As you know, that's one of the teams that people are looking at as being one of the top teams in the league. Um, two teams or a team at home that will not be one of the top teams in the league are the Bears. The Bears are playing host to the Dolphins, who are riding high. Dolphins are riding so high. Despite the fact they were laying over a field goal last week, barely covered that, and now they're laying even more on the road. Back-to-back weeks of the Dolphins laying points on the road. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, but it's the Bears. The Bears got smacked by the Cowboys. Am I crazy liking the home dogs? Like, you almost talked me into, like, switching up the Falcons. But there's a theme that you're going to sense here where I'm on a lot of home dogs. Mm Mm-hmm. Am I crazy for liking the Bears here as home dogs at plus five? No, it would be a little bit nicer if they hadn't traded away their two best defensive players over the last yeah. couple of 
That's part of my question because I'm I'm in a deep fantasy league where I got Roquan Smith, so I know how big of a deal he is okay. to their defense for tackling sure. machine. Yes. and it looks like the weather's going to be bad Saturday in Chicago, but not Sunday because you know mm-hmm. we like to back the Bears uh, when the weather is grim, right? Yes, as much as yes. the Dolphin like uh, likes the water, um, I imagine that <laughs> offense probably not going to be as explosive necessarily if it was uh windy and or rainy so okay. i don't love this like as much necessarily but like mm. the, i was impressed you know it depends on how you look at it right we were on the cowboys last week mm-hmm. was i impressed with the bears offense or was i infuriated by the cowboys defense sort of just consistently allowing the bears to like move the ball down the field but like that just might be where the bears offense is yeah like consistently moving the ball you know, down the field, there's obviously not going to be a ton of explosive plays necessarily. They have both those running backs who can go. I'm a Khalil Herbert guy. Um, I don't know why he doesn't get more of the carries. I think he got more of the carries finally last week. Who knows um, mm-hmm. what the distribution right there is with going you. to look right there. There with you. You know, and they're, and they're running these, you know, plays for Justin Fields, like, you know, via his legs. Again, though, the defense is just, you know, it's just going to be up against it here with this mm-hmm. again, especially if it's a, you know, sort of a nice weather type situation. I'll be on Chicago with you. I'm going to wait and see if we can get to six because again, mm-hmm. worth mentioning last week, you know, what was our big takeaway from dolphins to, tr- you know, lions was wait, wait on this line. Like it is going to go up. And so it goes and it hits four. There was even some four and a halfs out there. And of course it ends up landing four because in these games, these back and forth type of games. I think we're going to get another one in Detroit this week. Like somebody's going to kick a field goal somewhere along the way. And then the game is just going to go three, four, three, four, three, four, back and forth. Right. Like that, you know, this isn't basketball where it goes twos, you know, back and forth. This isn't hockey where it goes ones back and forth. It goes three and four, unless the game's tied in which obviously it goes threes and sevens, but like, is go back, back and forth, three and four, three and four all the time. So if you're going to, you're going to try to get four, right. As a key number here. So yeah. in this case, I want to get six because just in case this ends up going to overtime or something along those lines. Yeah. So, you know, if you followed your the advice last week, you didn't lose with the Lions. You pushed because four was widely available. And when we say wait and see, like that's what we mean because the difference between a loss and a push is obviously something in your bank account, right? Or something something Correct. in your, your betting accounts. So this is the same sort of deal. Like if it goes to four and a half, Okay. Like it's probably not going to land five, of course, because I say that it probably will, but like, you know what I mean? You're not going to lose that much yeah, with, yeah. with five, but like if people get really psyched up about Bradley Chubb, you know, if they get a, never mind, um, about Bradley Chubb, <laughs> he's shaking his head, uh, then the slime might go up to six, right? Like the money might come in here on Miami, especially if the weather stays where it is and people think like, okay, Miami's going to be just, just fine. Like I wouldn't mow the lawn. You know, at Soldier Field, I would hose it down if it's not going to rain. Like, you have to slow Miami down here somehow. The defense isn't going to. But honestly, I'm not that thrilled with the Dolphins' defense either. It's why we thought the Lions were going to be able to kind of come back and put up like a 30-point game, which we hadn't seen for a few weeks from the Mm -hmm. Lions. So now I'm looking at the Bears going like, oh, my God, I kind of think the Bears are capable of putting up a pretty big number. They're also pretty capable of getting one up. So maybe the over ends up being the play here if it's nice weather and both teams can score. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna take I'm gonna, I'm gonna take some patience here, and uh, and wait to see if we get a better number on the Bears. I like it. The Bears at plus five is Sheldon says this week. Uh, Panthers at Bengals. 
The Bengals are seven-point home favorites, and this just feels like way too many points to me. I mean, I know it's the Panthers, so it's not even so much that I'm placing that much stock into what the Panthers do, but your man's P.J. Walker seems like he can do stuff. And so I'm looking at the Bengals, and without we saw what their offense looks like without Jamar Chase, and it's, you know, surprise, surprise, Jamar Chase is pretty important. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The Bengals are favored by seven. Seems weird to me, but one thing that you always like to tell me is that Vegas isn't out here just handing out numbers, right? They're not just handing out money. So I need you to tell me, like, what, what am I missing here? Why are the Bengals favored by a touchdown? Okay, so let's have the conversation about the Bengals, right? What do you do with them after that performance, knowing that Jamar Chase is not walking through that door anytime soon, right? Because we got we got really excited about the Bengals when they beat up on the Falcons, right? I don't mean you and I specifically, right? Because we were not on the Bengals. I mean the market, right? And so mm-hmm. we got up. We've been we've talked about how like literally since before they made it to the Super Bowl, we've had them in kind of the high fifties from a rating standpoint, and like kudos to them for pulling off those upsets and getting to the Super Bowl and almost darn near winning, blah, blah, blah. But we're not going to overrate them just because of like a couple of on-field results. And I know that sort of sounds, you know, antithetical to people, but like, whatever, sorry, that's how this works. (laughs) And so when they get bumped up over 60 here, which is what was needed to get them into a point spread of, you know, around three to three and a half, call it 3.3. Like we knew that it was like, okay, like they might be all of a sudden a low 60s team, but like it doesn't feel like that's correct with jamar chase out so we got to knock them back here a little bit yeah so sort of just put that in your back pocket meanwhile you got carolina right who went you know two weeks ago or 13 point home underdogs i mean that sounds a little familiar right to this yep. this thursday's matchup and like what does that mean well it means everybody was out on the pj walker experience and we knocked them down to a 20 out of 100 essentially in the rating right and, and be, they go and win that game outright and part of that is Tampa Bay is not as good as their rating, but part of that is also, you know what? Carolina is actually pretty decent, right? And like, you know, like we like we talked about it before the Rams game, and again, like I believe they had the lead at halftime, if not, we're tied at halftime of that Rams game. So really, they've only played one bad half of mm-hmm. the sort of three games or six halves that PJ Walker has been under control. But like we talked about it, like why removing Baker Mayfield? who was literally the worst quarterback in the NFL statistically up until that point. Like, why was that supposed to be a bad thing? Why firing Matt Rule, who'd like won five games in his life, like, why was that supposed to be a bad thing? Now, obviously, they go and they trade Christian McCaffrey, and that felt like the last straw. But kudos to this team for, like, keep on keeping on here, right? Like, they're trying. And so, like, okay, we moved him up there to now, like, in the low 30s last, you know, for last week's game, obviously still, like, over a field goal underdog to the Falcons. And so those two numbers with the Bengals being in the low 60s and the and the Panthers being in the low 30s, like that's going to create a pretty big point spread. In fact, it creates uh, 10 here, essentially. Okay. Go, okay, that's like kind of actually 10 and a half officially. Okay. And like the look ahead line was around nine last week, right? And this is before these two games played out. So you go, okay, like we probably would have been on the Bengals in theory. But again, in theory, Jamar Chase, you know, didn't matter, you know, on on that rating. So like we're going to knock the Bengals down because, you know, there's one thing is the market ratings based on the closing lines here. But there's another thing like, okay, what is the Bengals actual rating here? So like 
again, I got to move them down a lot closer to mediocrity, right? We talk about like team, uh, like average team being 50. Like this has to get pretty close to like the low 50s for the Bengals because honestly, it wasn't very pretty. Meanwhile, they lose, you know, they were without a corner, Eli Apple, who, you know, with some various degrees on whether he's actually good or whatever, but he's still a starting quarterback in the NFL, or at least on their depth chart. And then they lose Chidobia Awuzier, you know, who's a you know pretty big significant uh, addition to them uh, from the Cowboys. And so there's your starting cornerbacks right there. And like, that's kind of a big position. We have seen what happens when even one cornerback is sort of a lesser than, right? We just talked yeah. about in regards to the Steelers, right? You have that whole offensive tackle and cornerback. You cannot survive if you don't have a dude in those positions, right? So we go, okay, like Cincinnati has to come back, come down. Meanwhile, like, I'm sorry, PJ Walker, totally serviceable. Not going nuts here, but mm -hmm. like, Aren't the Panthers about as good as the Jets at this point? Aren't right. the Panthers about as good as the Bears at this point? Right. Honestly, they're about as good as the Falcons. Like, you can't have a closer game last week than that matchup. And so that's what brings the number down here, right? As these okay. two teams sort of tighten. And now you've got it at sort of a seven. I have a seven and a half with, say, the Panthers 34 out of 100 and the Bengals 54 out of 100. It's a very real possibility that the Bengals are worse than that. And there's a very real possibility that the Panthers are better than that. And I think that's why you've seen this number come down from eight where it was on open to seven and a half. And honestly, didn't spend a ton of time at seven and a half. And now it's more widely available at seven. Now you can get seven and a half here. You just have to pay a little bit more. And that's the conversation that is worth having here. What do you pay to get off of seven to have plus seven and a half? in your account there is a minus 119 available out there right now on carolina at plus seven and a half that is kind of the ceiling go grab that if you can you know minus 120 uh, that's when we start getting a little out of control as far as the value is concerned but honestly the panthers are fully live to win this game i didn't like what i saw from cincinnati like the play call like, by the way like when I guess because he made it to the super bowl like zach taylor is all of a sudden a good coach he's been an issue for two years now Right, the yeah. offensive play calling has been they an issue for great this whole season. Yeah, and so when you don't have like a next level talent like Jamar Chase who has that bond, that sort of like unspoken thing with Joe Burrow, like the offensive line still isn't great. Like they have pieced it together, they are not running the football. They weren't running the football before Monday. They didn't run the football during Monday night's game. Yeah, man, I think Carolina plus seven, but again, you can get plus seven and a half for a decent price still out there. And they're going to be prominently involved in the round robin underdog money line parlay this week. Woo! Okay, PJ Walker train is is here. It's arriving. We are on board, and I like it. Um, this game is weird because it's two teams that I don't know how I feel about betting on them the entire season. And that, of course, is the Packers and the Lions. Love-hate relationship with betting on both of these teams this entire year. We've got the Packers as three-and-a-half-point road favorites in detroit this normally would be a classic spot where i'm here to say that extra half point especially give me the lions scrappy lions that's what i want to do now the lions have been struggling but i have to remove that from my brain here for a sec and I, and, and i told you the theme has been me and the home dogs so i guess yeah. i'm asking you to talk me out of this because like the extra half point is a reason i'm on the lions here Okay, let's just let's play a fun game. Let's play everybody's favorite game. Make Sheldon like guess a point spread. Um, 
Uh, alternative universe. Suddenly mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers turn it around. Or I don't even shouldn't say that because that implies that, that they're playing really well. <laughs> let's say for some reason. No, you know what? Let's do the whole like they go to London thing. Let's okay. say that's or what is it? Germany next week. Let's say they go to Europe, right? And the Packers play the Dolphins, okay, okay. on a neutral field. Who's favored by how much? Packers. This version of the Packers, this version of the Dolphins. I'd say Dolphins are favored by like less than a field goal. So let's say two and a half, right? Let's do it. Okay. Why is this the same spread as Dolphins at Lions last week? Hmm. Interesting. Right? Like the Dolphins were just minus three and a half last Wednesday. Correct. And now the Packers are minus three and a half. Mm-hmm. On and what the... planet are the Dolphins and the Packers an equal team? Like, how does that get slotted in? And like, there's, if... there's no Tyreek Hill on the Packers. <laughs> right. Imagine if there was Aaron Rodgers. And... I was going to say Aaron Rodgers would be a lot happier, but I don't know if that's even the, the case. <laughs> and it's not like the Dolphins, by the way, like won the game by a touchdown or 10 yeah. points or whatever. And it was just like, oh, we undervalued the Dolphins. Like the game landed on the number, mm-hmm. right? Once it got to four. So even if you say, okay, well, it closed four. So there's a half point difference. Who on earth is betting the Packers if the Dolphins and the Packers play on a neutral field tomorrow? It's true. Right? Like yep. this, this line has to be short. If the Dolphins Lions line was correct, which again, I think we can safely say that that was a pretty solid line last week. This has to be under a field goal or at the very least a field goal. And it was, it, it opened three and a half. I bet it right away, Detroit plus three and a half, because I thought that was going to go away. It did, and then something happened somewhere along the way here, and who knows, again, this is Wednesday afternoon, we might get you know injury reports, blah, blah, blah. But like somehow it's back up to three and a half? Yeah. Like, what? Like, okay, Craziness. I mean, maybe, right? Like maybe the Packers like win this game, cover this game, all of that sort of thing. Listen, the Lions just don't win football games. Like it's same old Lions in that department. Like, how is this line the same? Mm-hmm. Doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, like on like principle, you have to take the Lions and hope for the best. Now, maybe that the idea is, well, DeAndre Swift, like he's banged up, that you know, he might not go and all of that sort of thing. I, I'm sorry, he can't move the point. He's he's not a point spread moving player, right? Yeah. People yeah. will be surprised with what and who moves a point spread on a given week. It is way less. There are way fewer players than you think are going to move a point spread on a given week. DeAndre Swift is not one of them. Very few players in this game. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is one of them. Jared Goff is one of them. Obviously, quarterbacks are always kind of one of them. As sort of weird as that is to say when it comes to Jared Goff, like mattering in any way, shape, or form. (laughs) But he's played really well. So I can't, you know what I mean? We can't can't, uh, beat him up too much here. So, yeah, man, I think this just has to be Lions. It's probably gross, but honestly, like, just because they haven't won a game or won one game or whatever, they just because they don't care for winning games doesn't mean that they can't win this game. I like it. Um, we are moving on to the Colts at the Patriots and talking about teams laying points. You got the New England Patriots laying five and a half points at home. Seems like a lot of points, but I'm reminded a lot of what Bill Belichick does to young QBs. Your mans, Sam Ellinger. That's right. Here's the thing. Read this this morning as I was prepping for said podcast. You know, there's a little mm. bit of reading I do, little, sure. bit, not a lot though. Yeah. Um, this well, from <laughs> this from Stefan Holder of ESPN. First thing this morning, Colts QB Sam Ellinger sat down with former Patriot Stefan Gilmore to discuss the details of the New England Patriots defense and Bill Belichick's tactics. 
Ellinger is preparing for his second start, but young QBs have historically struggled against the Pats. Is that going to sway me from taking the Patriots and laying the five and a half points? No, no <laughs> I'm still on the New though. England Patriots. But should I be on the New England Patriots? That is a question that I ask you, my friend. So we've talked about a few games here so far that uh, I bet the line hasn't necessarily moved. Obviously, Detroit being one of them. I don't know if there was actually any other one that we've hit on yet, mm-hmm. which which means that this just brings us to the part of the program here, which is like not all that fun for the listener. And it's called Games I've Already Bet, where lines are no longer exist. Hey, but like if it tells, if, at least it should tell you something here, right? So this mm-hmm. game opens Patriots plus six and a half. Now, in theory, minus, uh, excuse, yes, Patriots uh, minus six and a half. Thank you. Uh, in theory, you go, okay, well, oh, if I like the Colts, like I should probably wait to see if this goes to seven. Sam Ellinger, Jonathan Taylor's injured, like blah, blah, blah. And I thought to myself, Matt, screw it, man. Just take the six and a half now. Mm-hmm. And I took the six and a half with the Colts here because mm-hmm. honestly, I think Matt Jones might stink. I'm yeah. I, I kind of should have lost to the Jets, and yeah. like if outside of a roughing for the you know the passer penalty, which isn't about the referees because I think that was a roughing the passer. It's more about the player, you know, mm-hmm. putting himself in a position to rough the passer. Franklin Myers, I believe it was, yeah, for the Jets. Like that game should be seventeen to three. I believe it would have been right because they were yeah. heading, you know, going the other way for the touchdown, and like. I don't know that the Patriots are coming back from two touchdowns down, even if like Zach Wilson was literally throwing them the ball at like every opportunity, right? You need to see the ghosts again. At 17 to three, I guess the the ghost of Sam Darnold might come back. I'm pretty sure Sam Darnold's still alive. Shout out to Sam. Somewhere. Um, Our Carolina, you can't get on the field because PJ Walker's too amazing, apparently. Um, The NFL is crazy. So the point is like we almost had a back-to-back like loss to the Bears, loss to the Jets situation here mm-hmm. for the patriots but because they don't right like they get this credit against yeah the quote-unquote young quarterback now the interesting thing here and I, I would love to kind of know specifically what sort of the deal was with this but the colts fired the offensive coordinator this mm-hmm. past week right which you know like okay the next guy's up is Fra- guy up here is frank reich and yeah. whether that's this week or who do they play next week? I'm doing a quick skim. Oh, they're in Vegas. So, like, listen, they're probably going to lose that game next week. Like, <laughs> he might be done by, like, week 10 here, right? Yeah. I mean, Jim Irsay, not exactly, like, the most calm and collected uh, customer, um, unless he's bringing a suitcase somewhere. Anyway. Wow. Um, <laughs> just going to let that one go. Yeah, just let, just let that one. Listen, man, these are facts, as you say. These are facts. Um. So yeah, I grabbed that. I grabbed that six and a half. Like now, it's down to five and a half. And the reason I grabbed that six and a half because it was like that number is just too high. Market number, expectation of the point spread, right? Based on previous point spread, was five and a half. Okay. Again, this is a team that was a three-point home favorite. And again, mm-hmm. you know, this is the sort of razor thin line that you and I talk about for you know been talking about for three years about like how this is basically just a roulette game played out over the course of you know three hours here. Like the Colts went. From covering that, covering as like a three-point favorite in a football game last week to losing outright on essentially one Terry McLaurin, like pretty sick play over your boy Stephon Gilmore. Mm-hmm. So like we couldn't be talking about you know Sam Ellinger like leading them to a team, uh, leading the team to a victory here and a cover, right? 
but we're not because you know, like Taylor Heineke throws the ball up in the air and like Taylor uh, Terry McLaurin grabs it. Yeah. So like, you can't tell me that the Colts can't win this game. My numbers, because again, like we use the market ratings again, market ratings that had the Patriots as three point. You know, it's, honestly, it's the kind of the flip side. The Patriots were three point road favorites last week, and they're a passing, you know, a, excuse me, a, uh, roughing the passer penalty away from not winning that game, but instead. They mm -hmm. end up covering that, right? Yeah. So, like, literally one play on either side, and we flip to Colts all of a sudden having won that game, and the Patriots were ringing, you know, everybody's hand-wringing because the Patriots have lost to another kind of crap team. Yeah. But those two things didn't happen. And that, and they open at six and a half, which, again, already too high, and on this sort of, like, mystique of Bill Belichick. And so it gets back, it gets bet down to five and a half. But re-rating these teams going, like, honestly, kind of thought Ellinger was playing pretty okay if i had to sort of cook up a narrative he didn't run the football that much last week and like i would sit here and say like that's a fireable offense like <laughs> sam ellinger should be running the football and maybe jim ursay and or frank reich was like you know what matt you're right that is a fireable offense so we're gonna fire the guy Right? Like, so like, maybe they fired him because Sam Ellinger didn't run the football. And like, by the way, we just saw two weeks ago the Bears deciding to run the football with their quarterback, and like that worked out pretty well against the Patriots. So like, I think we could get that like sort of surprise Sam Ellinger's running the football around here. And my numbers, by the way, I'm seeing what you're doing, and I like it. I have the I have the Patriots as like a three point favorite in this okay. game. Because honestly, I don't know that there's that much of a difference. I think there's probably a one-point difference between the Patriots with this Mac Jones version and the Colts with this Sam Ellinger version. Uh, version. I don't know his whole history in that department. Uh, <laughs> obviously, okay, Jonathan Taylor, if he can't go, right, like he's setting out of practice because he like re-injured the ankle. You saw him getting it taped up last week and all of that sort of thing. Like, yes, that's a problem. So, okay, you can bump that thing up to four if you want. I'm certainly not like dying to pile in here at plus five and a half. I'm just going to sit here with my six and a half, maybe a little six and be kind of okay with it. But honestly, I think the Colts could win this game. You know, again, whether it's Jonathan Taylor or just sort of the combination of like the various running backs. Hell, Zach Moss might get some carries in this game, newly traded from uh, the Buffalo Bills. And like, I think they could do some surprise stuff here with Sam Ellinger. Again, I don't think did all that badly against Washington. I certainly thought he was going to be a lot worse, especially against the Washington front four. I think the Colts have a chance to win this game because honestly, like it's looked pretty rough here for the Patriots over these last couple of weeks. Okay. Okay. The pick has been switched. Those watching the pod, which you should as well, you know, even if you listen to the pod, you could do us a favor and click on the YouTube link and bless us with the like, and then go about your day. Yeah. It costs you nothing. Yeah. But the people watching know that the card has been out. The pick has been switched yeah. to the Indianapolis Colts at plus five and a half. Cordless um, mouse has spoken. We will see how things go there as well as things go with their other AFC East counterparts, namely the Buffalo Bills, who are 12 and a half point favorites at the New York Jets. 12 and a half points. That sounds to me, once again, like a double digit spread. And normally I would be asking you to talk me into taking the points. But when we're talking about the Buffalo Bills, who just rolled over teams 
You don't have to talk me into this because I am at the I am on the Buffalo Bills and would be on the Buffalo Bills against the Jets at any number below two touchdowns. It's just where I'm at. Mm-hmm. It's just how I'm feeling. What say you? So uh, it's funny, like when it comes to these big favorites that I'm that I can't make a case for the underdog, and I'm mm-hmm. like, and I and I bet. So I just kind of go, you know what? Take my money. Sportsbook, like that's kind of but it's like fine right like i'll dare the jets to cover this number and like and force the sportsbooks to keep my money but like i'm just like take it like i know i'm you know probably the fool for laying 12 and a half points but like what about the jet and again you never know with the jets like all of a sudden they just have a really good offensive game here there i don't see that happening (laughs) against this bills team like there's is it okay bill team's a problem man on they're a, they're a massive problem. Yeah, they're a massive problem on both sides of the ball. So the market number for this game uh, is 11. Mm-hmm. But the issue is that I feel like the market has overrated the Jets. Yeah. Right? And we talk about like recent point spreads. I think the market's overrated the Jets. So, okay, I already kind of know that my number on the Jets is going to be different, right? Like I kind of have them penciled into the low 40s, high 30s when it comes to the market number, right? This was a team that was favored on the road against Denver. I realize it was Brett Rippon, but still. And, you know, so I go, okay, like I got to, I'm not going to be as high on the Jets as what the market has indicated because people have been willing to bet the Jets mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks. So now that the people aren't going, aren't willing necessarily, they're not tripping over themselves to bet the Jets here. Like, they're coming back closer to my number, right? And yeah. my number makes this 12 and a half, which is the point spread. So I jumped on some 11 and a half as the Bills were hammering away on the Packers last week. But again, like I'm not, I don't have the same fear of the whole backdoor, like, you know, passing game touchdown type situation with Zach Wilson. So like, again, we've talked about it for weeks now. Sorry, is not good. Right. Like it's just, yeah. you know, is there a way in which he becomes good? I don't know. It doesn't seem like that's, you know, I just don't think he's built that way. I just don't yeah. think he thinks that way. I just don't think he's capable in that way. And so the, my actual fear here is Zach Wilson gets hurt mm-hmm. and Joe Flacco comes in. And starts doing Joe Flacco. I'm throwing the ball in every down. Remember the start of this year when Joe Flacco was literally the starting quarterback and literally firing away 50 attempts a game? Like he was leading the league in completions because they were throwing it on every down. Like I'm scared of that in the fourth quarter, Mm -hmm. right? Now they have sort of given this sort and the reason I've bet the Bills here is because they've given Wilson this like um, vote of confidence, if you will, saying like, yes, he's going to be our quarterback for the rest of the season, which obviously makes all the sense in the world. Like, man, it feels like any time you watch the Bills play, they are knocking dudes out, like quite literally, right? Like guys are just getting up from the ground and like checking out of the game because like, man, they hit hard and all of that sort of thing. Like I can see Zach Wilson maybe not surviving this game and us getting backdoored here by Joe Flacco and going like, didn't see that coming. So maybe I'm putting that out in the ether right now so that at least we can say totally saw that coming (laughs) when that type of thing happens. But honestly, just take my money. Like, give me the bills. Again, I have minus 11 and a half, 12, not really a key number here. So I wouldn't worry too much about not, you know, the 12 and a half, but you can't bet the jets here. I don't think. I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, speaking of take my money, cause I really don't know which side to lean on these two teams. Cause 
if the, has there been a quieter six and one team ever than the Minnesota Vikings? Right. Um, They're laying three and a half points on the road against the Washington commanders. Uh, I'm reluctantly leaning on Minnesota. I just think they are in a different and I'm, I'm just voicing this in a different way than you would. They're a different weight class than what the commanders are. Um, there's levels to it. I think the Viking can put points up on the board. Heineke can be scrappy, but I don't know if it's to the same level here. I don't like taking Minnesota laying three and a half points on the road, but yet here we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you say, my dude? Same story with the razor's edge, right? With regards to the Colts and the, and, and the commanders last week, right? Like there's a world in which the, the Colts win that game comfortably by two scores mm-hmm. And I'm watching that game. Again, we were deep into the weeds with the commanders as far as, you know, on the point spread and whatnot. And so I'm just sitting there going like, never again with Taylor Heineke. Just like I saw it against Green Bay and like he was a turnover waiting to happen on every single play. And like it didn't really change in like the theoretically cozy confines of indoor, non-rain, non-sloppy type conditions, all of that sort of thing. And listen, again, we talked about it last week and I still don't listen. I don't think that... Maybe the Vikings deserve to win that game last week, mm-hmm. but we're talking about muffed punts causing oh, yeah. teams not to cover. And again, you know, people always do the thing where it's like, oh, you know, I only suffer bad beats against me. I never, you know, get them in my favor. I somewhat agree with that because if you're doing this correctly, then you're going to be in good position late. And so by definition, you're only going to kind of get screwed, then sort of get a lucky cover. I have this streak going right now with muffed punts and special teams fumbles against me as Mm -hmm. in like teams that I have bet on are just muffin punts hand over fist. And it's weird because it's this like tiny little thing. And honestly, I kind of feel like roughing the passer is a little bit Mm -hmm. like the opposite where I actually, I feel like I'm getting roughing the passer calls going Uh, my way a little bit more. So I can kind of admit that, but like, I think that's like a 55, 60% type thing. Just Mm -hmm. anecdotally, I'm at like 98% on like getting muffed. Yeah. Just right in the face with these punts. <laughs> Just gonna let that one go. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and it's Vikings, college yeah. and it's college kids too. It's call co- it's college kids and pros oh. that are just muffing me right in the face here with these punts, and it's driving me nuts. So anyway, so I'm watching these games, and it's just like it happens again with Arizona <laughs> against Minnesota. And so yeah, it's a little shaky here like backing the Vikings, but I still think they're a pretty good team, right? Like I can yeah. acknowledge the fact that they didn't really deserve cover, you know, the cover there. That probably should have been a two point victory kind of at best. And I just don't want anything to do with Taylor Heineke. Like this guy's driving me nuts. And like, yeah, we got away with one because Terry McLaurin like hauled it in last week. I think there's going to be love for this commander's team. Mm-hmm. we've talked about it, man. Like there's no home field advantage really for this commander's team. It's just kind of like, what's, are you going to get a break, right? Are you going to get that fumble return for a touchdown? Or are you going to get that fumble return for a touchdown by the Packers, for example, called back? It's the team that lost by margin to the Tennessee Titans, right? Like we talk yeah. about, you know, the Titans being a team that wins in the cracks, wins in the dark places. That might be Minnesota at this point. Right. Like it's certainly not a a dominant offense. It's certainly not a dominant defense. But like I think they're going to be taking advantage of these like Taylor Heineke dying to turn the ball over type things. Right. Like he is getting away with it here. I think it's going to turn, you know, was it turn into a pumpkin? Is that that's the reference from Cinderella? I certainly wouldn't reference Taylor Heineke as Cinderella here. But like 
God, man, like, I just don't want to be, I'm just, I'm off the Taylor Heineke thing. I just can't take it anymore. I think there's going to be a possibility where we can get the Vikings minus three. This is a wait and see approach type situation. Mm-hmm. Minus three, minus 120 or better is the target price for the Vikings. That's the play I would make there. Uh, speaking of QBs or just teams you want to be off of, I definitely want to be off of the Raiders, but yet here I am Raiders at the Jags Raiders are point and a half favorites. Um, I really feel like the Jags are probably the better team. Like, I don't even know if what that means per se, but (laughs) what I'm saying is this has to be a last stand here for the Raiders. Like what, what are we doing here? The Raiders can't go into the hostile environment that is Jacksonville and cover less than a field goal or just win the game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. What are we even doing here after being shut out? Like the embarrassment of being shut out by the saints, you got to be able to come back the next week and bounce back and beat the Jags. I don't feel like that's asking too much, (laughs) but but from the look on your face, I can tell (laughs) that you might disagree and that's okay. This is why we're here. No, it's actually the opposite. I completely oh. agree with you, but it's okay. like, it's less sort of raw, raw, and it's more just like a couple of different things. Like one, there's like a pretty decent trend, if you will, that if you get shut out one week, like you should be immediately bet on the next week, right? Like because mm-hmm. of sort of what you said there, right? Like rally the troops, blah, blah, blah. We've had one shutout this season. But a little trivia, Shell, let's see if you can remember from this season, who got shut out this year? Who got shut out? Wow. That's a toughie. Uh... People are people are literally yelling into their podcast uh, headphones or their, their I don't phone know. headphones. The Panthers? No, no. I feel like it has to be a crap team. So I would have went with like the Bears or something like that. But no, I don't. Ta- here's a hint: it was in the same location as this game is being played. Oh, the Jags shut someone out. That's a thing. The Colts have were shut out to the Jags. You'll recall. Remember that good time in everybody's lives? I have that game. It's still on my PVR. You know, I haven't watched it yet, but it's still there (laughs) on my PVR. Just glowing, just dying to check out Matt Ryan. Reminder, reminder. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Just, you know, misguided throws and uh, ill-advised pressures from Matt Ryan. The, uh, yeah, the highlight tape of basically. I'm sorry that I forgot that game. My apologies. (laughs) Fair enough. I, I mean, many have. The bigger point is, do you remember who the Colts played the next week? It was week two. So the oh, the Colts games. won. The Colts won. They beat um, someone good, the Chiefs. The, there you go. He's back. All right. Yeah. The Colts beat the Chiefs the next week, and it was by far, like, the weirdest game of the season. But, like, it happened. Immediately, small sample size. Like, I get it. That's a one-game sample size. <laughs> uh the Raiders are, are so part of the reason that I sort of felt like the Raiders, and who knows if this actually came true or not. And listen, we never know any of any of this stuff actually sort of plays out in the, in the truest sense of the way that we think it might. But like the flu was kind of going through the Raiders last week, right? Devontae okay. Adams, like it's not a coincidence that Devontae Adams missed like, th- you know, three days last week with flu-like symptoms. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, he came back to practice on Thursday or Friday. Then they flew to New Orleans. And it's not a coincidence that he had like, what, three yards, right? One catch, I think it was three yards. Like, we think that's just a thing that's going to happen on a regular basis to Devontae Adams. Like, I don't think so, right? Mm -hmm. And do you think he was the only one who was maybe a little bit under the weather? Like, I just don't. I'm just not ready to buy that. 
I think they're doing the right thing here where they're staying on the road. They're actually, I think it's Boca Raton or some sort of Florida location for the week, right? We talked about the 49ers, your 49ers doing that when they keep going to the Greenbrier mm-hmm. uh, in West Virginia when they go uh, east for a couple, you know, for back-to-back road games. Same sort of deal, right? Where it's New Orleans, obviously close to Jacksonville. New Orleans literally had a fake home game last year in Jacksonville. That's how close these two locations are, relatively speaking. So like they're they're staying on the road here, no sort of distractions, like let's batten. So if if you're painting the narrative that you painted, it's really kind of shapes nicely with like being on the road and sort of gathering together and all of that sort of thing. So this line opens, pick them on Sunday. And the Raiders, despite getting shut out that day, <laughs> take the first money. Yeah. Right. And this is moving one and a half. There's some twos out there, et cetera, et cetera. Now, obviously, up until you hit three, you know, one, one and a half, two, like it's not going to come, you know, you know, it's not going to jam you up too, too often here. I think the Raiders are a really good play here. I'm hoping Darren Waller is back. And once you get Darren Waller back, a healthy, a week out of, you know, being, you know, down with the flu, Devontae Adams. You know, I don't know what Josh Jacobs deal was. Maybe the Saints all of a sudden who had the best run defense in the league last year. And again, we talked about this. Maybe they got it going last week from a run defense standpoint. I don't think that's where the Jags are, right? My, meanwhile, the Jags, you know, come back, come back from London. Jags have had a, the, the Raiders probably beat the Jags to Florida, <laughs> right? Like they had a yeah, longer yeah. flight and all of that sort of thing, right? And they've both been there same sort of time. I think the Raiders, this is one of those games where everybody goes like, they got shut out last week and now they put up 30 points on the Jags. But you're right. Like the Jags are the better team. And the word you were looking for was, metrics right like the jazz mm. that's where we know the jags are better because they're 11th in yards per play on offense and they are 12th on yards per play on defense now that's not exactly lighting the world on fire here but that's certainly better than their record and the raiders are let's see if we can pull this up very quickly basically dead even on offense they're 12th on offense but the raiders defense is 24th defensively right yeah but like what about the Jags have shown you that they can really take advantage of this, right? They finally mm-hmm. realized that Travis Etienne is their best offensive weapon. But took okay. a while. Yeah, it took a yeah. The fact that it took a while, I think, is a pretty significant issue. I think this is a nice bounce back spot here. Like, you know, it's funny we go into the season and we go like, oh, can't pick on the Jags, can't pick on the Lions in Survivor, all these different sort of contests. Like, guess what? You totally could have, right? Yeah. You're right. Like, you absolutely could have. They've combined for, what, three wins, right? And they're all the same wins that they always have, right? The Jags always beat the Colts. Yeah. You know? So, anyway, uh, I think this is a nice spot here for the Raiders. Um, obviously, rather than be at home here, but I think they're going to uh, win this game and, and do so relatively comfortably. I and mean, this Jags team that lost at home to the Texans, so I'm not exactly afraid of home field advantage when it comes to, uh, it comes to the Jags. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Uh, let's go with the Seahawks at the Cards. And the Cards are home favorites by two points here. And I look at this number, and my initial thought is that this number might have come down because people just bet on the Seahawks. Because my initial thought is wait, why are the Cards favored here? I understand the merry go round of the NFC West that we talk about a lot here, but that's pre Geno. <laughs> right. <laughs> before right. Gino and yeah. we know right now watching the Seahawks with Gino Smith I mean who would have thought we'd be here in week nine thinking that we have more faith in Gino Smith than Kyler Murray it's an interesting place it's a mm-hmm. very interesting place but here we go 
I am on the Seahawks just because of what has gone on so far this season with the Seahawks and Geno Smith and even Pete Carroll, who a lot of people probably were thinking was kind of washed heading into this. Like his time was up, has everything passed him by. And yet he's got the Seahawks moving. He's got them rolling. Give me the Seahawks. I'm going to roll with them. My question to you, is this a spot? A spot. We talk about these sometimes. Mm, the old spot. Where you're just catching the Seahawks in a bad spot. Where like yeah. they're not going to win every game. But Correct. when you look at the schedule, it's like, oh, yeah, this would be a game that they would lose. Yeah. So let's talk about the line here, right? So on the okay. surface, it looks like it looks a little lazy. It looks a little sort of like standard where the books just go, that'll Arizona, make it minus three at home, Arizona. Like, let's move on with our lives here, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what they did. Yeah. And then, so everybody goes like, Seahawks, I love them. Like, plus three. Give me a full field goal against this card team that now everybody hates. And it's like, yeah, I'll take that. And you know who took it? This guy right yeah. here with this I face like it. that I'm pointing to. So I did that at plus three. I, d I didn't do it because, like, I love the Seahawks or I love the Seahawks in this game. I did because, like, I want to get ahead of the move. Because yeah. my number in my ratings has this at about two, two and a half. So the number okay. is fair in that standpoint. But with the, you know, arguably important thing to, under to remember here is, was it two weeks ago, Arizona goes to Seattle and are two and a half, three-point road favorites mm -hmm. in Seattle? Which, okay. you know, again, like we see Arizona, they go on the road to Minnesota and they were only three and a half point underdogs, mm -hmm. right? And by the way, like probably should have covered. So I don't think you make a massive adjustment necessarily on that. And then like as much as like, thankfully, Seattle covered against the Giants last week, it got a little dicey there. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, part of that was like a weird, uh, basically a weird entire game for Tyler Lockett where he's fumbling the ball in three and, you know, catching trying to catch touchdown passes with his face mask which didn't end up going particularly well so like yeah we love the geno thing and god knows like kenneth walker is fun as hell and all of that sort of thing but like if they were three-point underdogs at home two weeks ago mm -hmm. again listen i understand the result of the game arizona went in there and like bleeped the bleep mm -hmm. and you know seattle won that game like relatively comfortably like again it's just one game yeah. And that was without DeAndre Hopkins. And we know, obviously, the Cardinals offense in general is better without DeAndre Hopkins and all that sort of thing. If you just take that game, like we do the, you know, quick change, right? Where it's like, I think we're given two, two and a half points for Seattle and home, home field advantage, like maybe one for the Cardinals. So we got a three and a half point flip. Now we're talking about like a six point favorite here that the Cardinals in theory sort of would have been three weeks ago. Yeah. Without DeAndre Hopkins. So like, mm -hmm. okay, let's add DeAndre Hopkins. Let's throw a point or his, you know, his way for, and now we've got a seven point favorite. Well, now we go, okay, but you know what? We do have to factor in the results from these last couple of weeks and yada, yada, yada. Can we get down from seven points to two? It's a pretty big jump, right? Like I know it again, and it's super fun. And like everybody and their dog's going to be on Seattle and it's going to be great. But it like, doesn't it kind of feel a little like last week, but in a reverse way? Mm -hmm. where the mm -hmm. giants were like oh but the john like they beat the jags last week like they're keeping it going it's like yeah yeah or 
like the team, you know, or the Seahawks are probably the right side in that game. And again, the Seahawks were the right side, so understand why they might be the right side here. So all of this is to say, like, how far, how much lower is this going to go? We're going to get Arizona minus one because it's already come off three. So I'm yeah. sitting here with my, I am sitting here with this. I readily admit I am sitting here with the Seahawks plus three ticket. Because of the market move, not because I'm sort of like buying all in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, on I got the you. Seahawks. And like, again, the Cardinals just won a game at home against New Orleans, who, mm-hmm. whatever you want to sort of believe about the Raiders, like just shut out the Raiders. So like, you know, again, like maybe they convert that fourth down. Maybe they don't muff that punt. Maybe they go down and they get a field goal. It's a very real possibility. The Cardinals have won both of their games since DeAndre Hopkins comes back. Mm-hmm. And like, I hate to sort of like deploy this, but like everybody's going to be on the Seahawks, which again is oh, why true. I made the bet at plus three. Right. And like, when does that ever go particularly well? Now, strangely enough, in the last few weeks, that has actually gone really, really well for people like betting the sort of, you know, trendy underdog, right? We had happened with the Seahawks against the Chargers two weeks ago. There was a game this past week where it happened again. I can't remember it offhand, but it's well, their- the Giants of before last week, the Giants. Well, the Giants yeah, I mean, the Giants before. Yeah, exactly. Well, Giants against the Jags two weeks ago is absolutely mm-hmm. one where everybody's like, how could be the Jags be favored by three? And it's like, okay, just take your free money, I guess. So, like, maybe <laughs> this is free money on Seattle. And, or maybe I just sit on a plus three ticket and just kind of live my life. But, like, the, I think the more sort of, you know, probably sharper, whatever you want to call it, bet is like, wait for the Cardinals to be minus one. You know, if people are, you know, I think people are going to like the money line. I think you can get a relatively cheap money line on, on the favorite here on the Cardinals. Yeah. Yeah. Man, 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 like, again, this is, this whole deal is about jumping on and off the trains, right? Yeah. Like, and they're going different directions and like you're a total hobo. And it's you've tough. Got the, you've got a stick with like a red and white checkered, you know, handkerchief with all your possessions and you're just hopping back and forth on these trains, man. And like, it might be time to hop off the Seahawks for at least this one game. Again, we'll see where this number goes, but you can't, these, these two teams can't be pick them in yeah. Arizona. Let's put it yeah. that way. No, no, no. I totally got you. Totally understand where it's at. And this is a game where I'm making the pick. I'm on Gino and the Seahawks knowing the spot that maybe I'm overstepping, but I'm okay with that because I, I feel like I built up the currency with Gino over the <laughs> right. last few weeks so I can ride with that. The team that I have not built up the currency with, though, is, I mean, either of these teams, really. I mean, unless we're talking <laughs> about betting against the Rams because sure. I had a lot of fun doing that, I'll right. say. Yeah. But we go to the Rams and the Bucks. The Bucks are three-point home favorites here. And things are grim for both of these teams. I feel like this has to be a get right spot for Tampa Bay. I would hope you're at home. The Rams just seem to struggle against anyone that has a decent defense. And I know that even though the the Bucs are beat up on both sides of the ball a bit here, Mm -hmm. the Rams are just, yeah, things are not going well for the Rams here. They could, they should just like chill and go home and watch the Super Bowl tapes from last year and enjoy that ride. Cause I don't know if, if things are going to get better for them. The bucks, I'm still holding out some hope and I don't like laying the three points, but because it's three, yeah, and not three and a half. I'll take the bucks. Okay. I got some stuff to say here. That's fair. Next time you think that some head coach, and I don't mean you obviously specifically, I mean, everybody in the world, is some sort of like genius boy genius like <laughs> got it all figured out like backing this guy into this you know would follow this guy anywhere blah 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 
Think of Sean McVay leaving Cooper Cup in down 17 points with like three minutes to go of that game and running tunnel screens with him where he's basically begging to get him lit up by a very a series of linebackers if not defensive alignment and tell me that sean mcveigh guru of whatever like you know throw money at him to be on tv to tell us how smart he is about everything just think about that move yeah who on the rams do you have any regard fear or whatever for on offense other than cooper cup he is it that's the list keep that guy healthy yeah and so this whole thing comes down to like is cooper cup playing and honestly if even if the answer is yes most weeks the answer is still nah i'm good when it comes to the rams as we rode the niners again for what like the eighth millionth time and that in was a row? probably the most emphatic of the wins <laughs> yeah that was just like oh we're gonna just play around here with our best like Madden plays. Yeah. Well. And we talked about how it was like the least value because they were actually road favorites. And of course they pan the crowd and it's literally all red. And like, of course they end up trucking them and like, yeah, the Rams ran their script and it was just a series of screen play screen passes because they knew they couldn't block the 49ers. And then when the 49ers turned to each other and said, Hey, maybe we should watch out for the screen. Like that was <laughs> that right. Blouses. So like, yeah. Anytime Jimmy Garoppolo is like carving up your team. Sure, without good. Debo. And it's like, you know, Christian McCaffrey's out there just running a train, you know, speaking of hobos, on on the Rams. So and fundamentally, we go, okay, like, if Cooper Cup's not playing in this game, like, what? how many points do you want? Take them, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like, you are welcome to them. Take them, take them and go. So we have to look at this line. We go, okay, like, what, you know, where was this line? Where is it going? All of that sort of thing, right? So this line opened minus two and a half on the Bucks. Okay. I'm like, I just watched Cooper Cup, like, almost need to be, like, carted off. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, maybe he's awesome again next week, but, like, or he's, like, 80%, and he's just kind of out there, like, running around. And if he's mm -hmm. decoying, sure, but, like, who's the other option that I'm, you know what I mean? That's going to take advantage of this decoy. Yeah. So I'm grabbing that minus two and a half. I'm grab like, you know, I'm like, but I also don't really love it because like I'm now backing the Buccaneers, which is not really the plan. No. Right. And and the Buccaneers, the market, odds makers tried to tell us this. Let's put it this way. They tried to tell us about the Buccaneers last week when they made them excuse me, home underdogs on the open against the Ravens, right? You'll remember the Ravens open like two, two and a half. And it was a massive adjustment from from the on, on the look ahead point spread, which is an mm -hmm. indicator of the rating for the Buccaneers changing, right? Yeah. And so they go from being rated essentially as a 70 out of 100 for the first seven weeks of the season, they get knocked down to literally a mediocre team at 50 out of 100. But we refused to just sort of believe it. Part of it was Ravens had a bad injury report. And of course they end up starting all those guys and like, all those guys end up leaving halfway through the game. So like, I don't really know what to make of all that. The point is, by the time the game starts, the Bucks are back to minus two, minus two and a half, and they're back. They're not quite at 70, right? But they're sort of like down in the mid-60s when they were trying to tell us this team needs to be down in the 50s, mm -hmm. right? So the market point spread using that rating of the mid-60s makes the Bucks 3.8, right? Minus 3.8, okay. right? So pretty close to four. If we go, you know what? 
odds makers, you were right the first time, and we apologize. We were right the first time, and they are a low, you know, mid to low 50s type of a team here. And we go, you know what, Shaq Barrett's out and all of that kind of thing. We go, okay, we're going to drop them down to like a 52, right? A very mediocre run-of-the-mill type of a football team. How does that change the point spread? Well, that moves them down to basically a pick against this Rams team. But again, what if Cooper Cup's not functional? Yeah. Where does the where do the Rams go? And like we still haven't moved the Rams down to that same level, right? We're still kind of mm-hmm. clinging to this existence of the Rams. And so now the the odds makers are trying to tell us this week the Rams aren't very good. <laughs> you can't use your previous rating of the Rams that made them essentially level with the 49ers last week in a game that was essentially a neutral site right? They are trying to tell us, knock the Rams down in your ratings. And they're doing so while Cooper Cup might miss the game or might be compromised for this game and might not make it through this game. Meanwhile, you do the whole like Bucks have extra time here. Like the division is such a just absolute mess that like they probably think they can still win. They're still odds on minus 175 favorites to win the division. The season is not over for the Bucs, even though they keep sort of taking these embarrassing high-profile losses. And they have the extra time. And in theory, they're, you know, at least offensively, they're getting a little bit healthier. Again, the defense is missing. You mentioned the Seahawks. One of the things that if there's, you know, if, if there's a gambling god of any kind, the Seahawks lose to the Cardinals and the Buccaneers hammer the Rams. And we got Seahawks at Buccaneers next week with what I've got as projected to be an eight-point Buccaneers favor. Yeah. Give me that on the Seattle Seahawks, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, give no, I me got all of that. Like, that's where we want to be when it comes to the Seahawks and yeah. fading the Buccaneers. Not with a sort of, you know, mangle-legged, you know, Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford, you know, dying to throw interceptions at any given moment, mm-hmm. right? I know it's going to be uncomfortable, but like, this is Bucks, man. Again, like, they don't have, like, this isn't Lamar Jackson and like all of the different things that the Ravens could do offensively to mess with Tampa. This is yeah. Matt Stafford and Van Jefferson, potentially. <laughs> We got the Chiefs in prime time yet again. They are 12 and a half point favorites hosting the Tennessee Titans. You know, I love the Chiefs. You know, I blindly defend the Chiefs, lay the points with the Chiefs. But this one is different because I always pause on double digit spreads. And I will say, hey, I can see the world in which Vrabel knows a playbook. I'm just going to run the ball going to manage the clock, going to try to keep the possessions down for Mr. Mahomes and all that fun stuff. And they just muck up the game and ugly up the game. And we're not asking them to win. We're just asking Certainly them to not. not lose by more than 12 and a half points. So I need you to tell me again, my favorite question. Can you talk me into not taking the points with the double digit spread or no? Um, I'm not going to do that. I think the important, <laughs> I think the important thing here is who's going to play quarterback for the Titans. Now Very we didn't true. get to, we didn't get a ton of Malik Willis in our lives last week. But we got enough. <laughs> we might have gotten enough, yeah. certainly. Um, ten uh, pass attempts mm-hmm. for our mm-hmm. guy Malik Willis. Almost had, you know, I think he had about half that many uh, rushing attempts. And of course, Derrick Henry had like a trillion rushing attempts. Um, 
it's not gonna be certainly not gonna be as easy as far as like just hand the ball off we'll we'll be no. okay here no. right like that doesn't seem like that's gonna be uh the way to play this game and so the concern becomes is it going to be tennessee a la the game against the bills earlier this mm -hmm. year mm -hmm. right and that's like could be the case for Ryan Tannehill as well. So you go, okay, well, what's the line supposed to be here? My market number, again, point spreads that have led up to this point, has Kansas City about minus 10. A lot of that has to do with just a disrespect for the Titans. That includes the number for the Malik Willis Titans last week, right? That number, the team being only two-point favorites against the Houston Texans, right? We are bottoming them, we were bottoming them out in sort of the low 40s. Mm -hmm. right which again should have been kind of our first trigger like we should be betting the titans here kansas city like we got a pretty good rating for them right like low 70s like you know maybe we get to a point here we, we bump them up into the mid 70s but like this is a team that was home underdogs by a full field goal to the bills mm -hmm. bills rating is by the way completely and utterly out of control it is careening off of the tracks again more train <laughs> references uh don't know why we're doing that um my number like i have you know okay like i have a little bit better for the chiefs but i kind of have a lot better for the titans because like i have to kind of account for the fact that they just somehow like get it done or stay in games like right like it has nothing to do with the metrics because they're both like both offensively and defensively they're in the bottom quarter of the league yeah but, like again it's i'm not even busting them up into like a above average team i still have them at below average but if if the if the market put them at 41 last week and the number still isn't 12 and a half, right? Like yeah. my number is going to be a little bit better. So my number is nine, right? Okay. And so like that number, maybe that number needs to be validated by having Ryan Tannehill play and like be healthy because that ends up being sort of a you know a theoretical threat to actually throw the ball. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But like obviously this line sort of suggests Malik Willis. And, you know, again, a 41 rating or even a high 30s rating. But if it's either of those, it's still too high at 12 and a half, right? Because I can't get to 12 and a half without absolutely just murdering the Titans rating or putting the Chiefs at a rating that I'm not comfortable putting them high enough. Because what, three weeks ago, they were seven point favorites to the Raiders. Yeah. Like, are, there, are we positive the Raiders are five and a half points better than the Titans on a neutral? No, definitely not. Right? Because, like, they were, like, one and a half. They, the, the Titans and Raiders have played already this season. <laughs> it was a one and a half point spread. You know what I mean? So, like, okay, that was in Tennessee. And, like, maybe if that's a neutral, like, you know, if we throw a point and a half, like, maybe that's a, maybe they're a three-point difference. They're not five and a half point difference. So like any way you sort of slice it here, this line should be around 10, 10 and a half and is 12 and a half. Now, how often is it going to land 11 or land 12 where you're going to actually get that value? Yeah. Probably not all that much, which is kind of the scary part here. But yeah, I think this is, you know, if the if we can just sort of let the sports books take our money with the bills and then like kind of just hope for the best when it comes to the Texans and the Titans here as massive underdogs, like to me, that's, I think, a, a pretty sensible split here from a value perspective, right? Because we didn't talk about the Jets being like, oh, this should be 10 and it's 12 and a half. We were like, no, it should be 12 and a half. <laughs> right? We were like, no, that's that, yeah. correct spread. Right? Yeah. Like, and these then, ones aren't, right? They're just, they're just sure. not. And that doesn't mean they're going to win or lose or whatever. No. They're just not correct. 
yeah, totally got you here. We wind, we wind out or wrap up in English. I don't know stuff. what we're doing stuff here. I'll wrap out. Bottom line, what I'm trying to say here, we got one more game left, and that would be the Monday Nighter. We got the Ravens, two and a half point favorites in New Orleans. The Saints, no, I I love me taking the Saints as home dogs here. Um, but when you break down their team and what's going on, Andy Dalton here is he's moving the ball. He's being Andy Dalton, being serviceable. And the benefit of that is that they still have Taysom Hill doing like sprinkling him him in here and there. And it's something that you pointed out earlier on in the season that less Taysom Hill is actually more Taysom Hill, <laughs> right? right? Because right. And, and when you combine them, it's like if you made them into one quarterback, that's yeah. a pretty good quarterback, right? Yeah. Yeah. And with that said, and their defense and the home crowd on a Monday night in New Orleans, woo, give me the points. I'll take all the points here. Yeah, and, and the market said, give me all the points, but you know what? They, they got all the points when it was three and a half. Oh, see, I don't like, see, that just, that and just honestly, me. like that's the, that's the correct reaction. That's the correct reaction because you know that like three and a half existed. That's a mega key number. The Ravens could absolutely win this game by three and probably do like a really high percentage of the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But on the plus side, you, you know, you see the market react, take the saints obviously in part because they want to get the three but like this the sports books and odds makers etc were like well we might have screwed up here mm -hmm. right and they and they moved it through three right like there's mm -hmm. other games here where you know like there's heavy money on one side and the sports books like nope we think our number is correct they're at least admitting that their number wasn't correct yeah right yep. so like they're going okay like let's drop this down to two and a half right and you're still like yeah i'm kind of actually interested in the saints because like maybe i'm out here like just by myself with my little like saints fleur de lis hat or you know whatever like i don't know how do they dress up and the, there's like there's all sorts of weird like pope cloaky type situations happening some mardi gras vibes i don't know it's yeah let's go with the mardi gras vibe i got my beads on ready to just sling them around um i like i bet the saints when they were nine to one to win the the division because yeah. people are going like oh is carolina the team are they gonna pull nope. this off is the falcons the team they gonna pull this off and like obviously price matters in all of these situations and at one point carolina was like 18 to one even before just before that game no way they last week and they go and they lose that game last week and you know obviously a lot of the value kind of sucks out of that because they end up losing a division game but like I'm sitting there going like the Saints are really close to being really good. Mm -hmm. And we saw that last week. You and I have been begging for the defense to like do something, right? Like stand up. And I'm like, again, I paint the picture however you want. Like a shutout against any professional football team is standing up and like doing something. And so we're looking at a team that it's weird to say, but like is tied with Seattle for fifth in in offense and like be impressed by that right like detroit miami kansas city and buffalo are the only better yards per play offenses than the saints what yeah. right yeah. and if i was to tell you know and they're also ninth in defense and we didn't even really love the defense because like you know it hasn't been necessarily that all that great in the last few weeks right last three games it's actually been a lot worse than their sort of season long thing but the point is because we've seen the personnel last year specifically <laughs> And to start this year, like, if you had told me, like, halfway through the season, like, guess what? Like, the Saints offense is going to be good. 
and the defense is actually going to like need improvement. Are you comfortable with that? I'd be like, yeah. Like, I wouldn't want it the other way. I wouldn't want to be like, yeah, the defense is really good, but like, we're not sure about the offense. I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't be sure about the offense either with Jameis Winston and or Andy Dalton. But like, if it's getting work done, then like, cool, let's just keep yeah. this vibe up right now. And you mentioned like Taysom Hill, like we're Alvin Kamara, right? Like they finally mm -hmm. figured that he is an option. And the, my, the point <laughs> to that is, what if they had Alvin Kamara in London for that game against Minnesota with the double doink on the mega long, you know, field goal, et cetera, et cetera. Like what yeah. if they have a win over the Vikings on a neutral on mm -hmm. their resume? What if somebody, anybody tackles Jamar Chase or maybe they get an extra field goal along the way there where they don't lose that game where they were nine, you know, they had a nine point lead in the fourth quarter against the Bengals. It's very sort of coin flippy possible yeah. that they beat the Vikings and the Bengals, two teams that are rated higher than them, who are sort of playoff conceptual teams here. Mm -hmm. Like that might be this, that might be the Saints, right? Like the Saints might have that. And instead of being what three and five, I think their record is, they might be five and three. They might have a two-game lead mm -hmm. on the division. And I haven't even got to the part where they were in a zero-zero scoreless game with the Bucks at home through whatever it was like three quarters earlier on i think it was week three in the season what if they win that game right so like they lose all these kind of really close games and like you kind of understand it because like the pieces are just kind of all over the place didn't even mention the fact that they had a 10 i think 10 to 13 point lead at arizona and then like a deflected ball ended up in the hands of a you know a cardinal defender for a pick six and then that obviously snowballed from there like they are in all of these games so I might just be the only one here with my beads just going like, yeah, the Saints are decent. Like, I promise you, like, maybe the record's not going to be great at the end of the year, but it might not have to be. So now the number, I think, on the division is like four to one, something along those lines. Honestly, I think I bet that because you can, I can tell you, I think the Saints are going to beat the Bucks when they go to Tampa because like, they, you know, we've talked about this. They just play them close. Can they beat the Ravens here? You know, you look at the Ravens and you go, okay, fast track, like indoors, like that seems kind of problematic. But like, okay, cool win last week, but I'm just still not, like what am I supposed to do with the Ravens rating here? Yeah. Right? And so for me, the market rating here was three and a half. So I understand why it opened three and a half. I think it's very interesting that the first move and a big one was towards the Saints. And because my rating, you know, you talk about overrated, underrated, properly rated. Again, I think the Saints are underrated right now. And they were they've been being sort of priced, you know, again, home underdogs to the Raiders. That's a low 40s type of a price here. If I just put them at 50, like dead nuts, even Steven, average team at home against Baltimore, this game's a pick'em. So yeah. you know what I mean? Like, so there's still theoretical value at, at plus two and a half here on the Saints and maybe on the money line, because honestly, I think this game's a pick'em game. And from like that it. standpoint, like, again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm the idiot with the beads over here. And Mardi Gras ended three months ago. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? But like, I, 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 I'm riding it. I'm riding it. God knows Andy Dalton's going to be in prime time. And we're going to get in that whole situation. Like, God, that's going to be miserable. And honestly, like, hopefully, I shouldn't say hopefully, given that this is two and a half and I've got three and a half in my pocket, it's probably going to keep me off of them in the Circa Millions contest. Mm -hmm. And so I don't have to sit there all Monday waiting for this game to start, knowing that I'm going face to face here with Lamar Jackson. So I feel a little bit better about that. I'm happy mm -hmm. with my plus three and a half, all of that sort of thing. But I think it's just worth mentioning that I think the Saints are better than the market thinks. And there's indication that 
people are kind of coming around. Totally fair, my dude. Totally fair. That will be a great, an electric Monday nighter for sure. I just love when you get into those types of atmospheres in primetime games as well, too. And New Orleans is one of the best atmospheres in the entire NFL. So excited okay. to see that game for sure. But between now and then, where can the people find you when they need to get the information and education that they so crave, my dude? Absolutely. At Emrus Authentic on Twitter. Of course, you can follow at The Score. Everything over at The Score app. You've got the app already. If you're getting uh, alerts, get the betting alerts. That way you get our articles as soon as they become published, which means you can get the numbers. College football rolling right now. Eight and four last week. We are at 59.1%. We talk about your record when it comes to the NFL, right? You're at 61% and people go like, oh, 61%, like that's okay, blah, blah, blah. Over volume, you're what, 25 games above 500? Like, think about that. 25 or so more bets won than lost. The longer we go, right, the the more profitable it becomes. There it is, right there. Just trying to keep it rolling. 27 games over 500, my guy is, right? Think about that for a second. Just trying to keep the train moving. And as Matt mentioned, we try to keep this moving. The pod drops every Thursday. You can like and subscribe to follow along with us here as we continue to do that. And follow Matt, everything that he does online and especially at The Score. You can follow me on Twitter at Shell Alexander on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. Like, subscribe wherever you get the pod. We talked about YouTube. We talked about Twitch, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple, all those fun places. We've got you covered because I always like to say on these podcasts to close things out. I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the On Blast Podcast, NFL Picks Edition, part of the On Blast Podcast Network. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya.